Welcome to No Room for Phonies. Welcome back to my regular guest. <laughs> I thought that maybe I'd have lots of different guests, but COVID, well, you did for a while. But... COVID sort of put a kibosh on that. We did have some guests during COVID. Well, I'll be sad if you replace me, but I won't replace I'm you. I'm happy no. to be here. It's episode fifty-one. And it is the last episode of the education series. Number 10 of the Number education. Number 10. Assessment and reading your child's report card is the topic for today. And uh, we'll get into that as soon as we s- s- finish talking about alcohol. So on Sunday night, here is... Um, Halloween. Halloween. So we're going to have our buttered rum for October. Four teaspoons of sugar, a cup of rum... Two cups of boiling water and two teaspoons of unsalted butter in and a I mug. And I just tasted the rum tonight. That's good. Appleton Estates. Very good. Very good. And then in November, there's a really good one. November is called a honeycomb. And it is two vanilla beans, ice cubes, one and a half ounces of honey vodka, one and a half ounces of vanilla vodka, and a half an ounce of sugar syrup. So we're going to have to do some ordering online. Okay. For honey, uh, vodka, and vanilla vodka. A little hardship. So that's not much of a hardship. So anyway, that's where we are. And then, of course, the final December one is mulled wine. But Perfect. That's, and that's the end of the year. So next year we'll have to... We were per, we only missed a couple. Yeah. So we and did And in the end, I think well. we tasted almost everything. Once. Almost everything. So the book recommendations for me are about a little journey that I've been going on to read a lot about Indigenous people and indigenous stories because I just feel like it's broadened my understanding of the the plight and I guess if that's what you want to call it and how um well, and real um systematic racism is mm-hmm. but like, the real the some of the stories the resilience that resilience they have for in, sure in the face of a never-ending yeah and just like some of the problems that they faced and like they were trapped in a lot of cases so i read five little indians which is a newer one and it mm-hmm. is really about residential schools very very poignant story call me indian is one he's actually about the first um indigenous person to ever play nhl hockey yeah hockey it was really interesting the indian in the cabinet of course is the jody wilson rabel book which isn't completely but it is about her as an indigenous woman on top of everything I mean my one of my most interesting lines from that story is her saying that someone in the cabinet actually said to her that they had never met an indigenous woman in person in person so that's pretty sad Wow. For a Canadian. And that's in the progressive party yeah. in Canada. That's, yeah, that was the Liberal Party. And then Seven Fallen Feathers is a really poignant book about seven children. And then From the Ashes is a story of a Métis person who mm-hmm. and his, how he, and I actually heard him speak in person at a at an event. Oh, that was before yeah, COVID. Before yeah. COVID, pre-COVID. Everything's pre-COVID, post-COVID, during COVID, whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I would highly recommend that for a non-Indigenous person, reading the stories of Indigenous people is really, really important. I've also read lots of stories about um, 
black you know americans and canadians mm-hmm. and their plight um for those of us who are like white <laughs> i you know i don't think that we can ever walk in someone else's shoes like that in a way but mm-hmm. by reading their stories and especially when they're personal memoir kinds yeah. of stories like oh well, and the other thing i know it was a television show but it was when the nurse or the one doctor said to the other doctor um you still are trying to make me tell you how to fix the situation yeah and we need to figure it out you know for ourselves how how our behavior and our attitude and the things we say um can be impactful in society yeah. so Anyway, that's my recommendation. And then the podcast recommendation, I keep going back to Brene Brown. Um, I was talking to a friend recently about how her books um, have been so um, helpful in her life and some of the struggles that she has. And uh, so the podcast recommendation... Is that particularly the July 1st episode? Yeah, it's a July 1st episode, Brene Brown, Shame and Accountability, so accountability is a prerequisite for change. So you won't change until you hold yourself or your group or whoever accountable. And why we need to get our heads and our hearts around the difference between being held up accountable for racism and feeling shame and being shamed. So it sort of fits in the whole nice, thing yeah. of what I was talking. But I mean, I know the podcast is, touches on this, but it also can be applied to any situation oh yeah not about like, just racism absolutely yeah uh, well nobody changes until they take responsibility and hold themselves accountable and say i don't want to live this life anymore i don't want to be this person anymore i don't want to do this anymore and then they move forward i guess i'm gonna to have to take this to my team at work yeah <laughs> well, it's true well we talked about that today in terms of that other thing we were listening to about um what did we say about communication, right? Mm-hmm. And, oh, communication is so bad and this and that. So what role do you play in it? And how do you hold yourself accountable for saying, like, when you work in a business or you are in a relationship, if you are not understanding something or you're feeling you're not being communicated with, what stops you from saying, I need more information or I'm not clear? Like, mm-hmm. what stops you from doing that? Then, then you start calling your boss unapproachable or your partner, oh, he's unapproachable, he won't talk to me or he's not saying that. Or he has poor communication skills. skills. Which blame, I mean, even if it's not he, if you just She, say, whatever. No, but if it's no person involved at all, oh, there's just such bad communication, yeah. it takes the blame, it takes away accountability. Yeah. So anyway, it's just an interesting thought and Brene Brown is always worth a listen. And then the question I want to ponder or wonder about in terms of assessment and what it really means to do assessment. Report cards? Yeah. Okay. Is how do you become the best version of yourself? And the way that you... As a learner, as a teacher? As a learner, as a teacher, as a... Like, how do you become the best version of yourself? And I will say that part of the answer to that comes from getting really good feedback about yourself and being open to good feedback about yourself. So anyway, so on to this report cards, knowing how your kid is doing at school. So I just wanted to kind of, and you can help me with this a lot, the types of assessment. Diagnostic is like the baseline to work from. It's how teachers 
figure out strengths and weakness and knowledge and skills and where kids are at. So, and I've talked about this a lot. You know, my favorite one is when it comes to kindergarten, that some kids come to kindergarten reading, counting, doing all kinds of things. And yet they're put in the circle and made to say A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I've seen it in grade one where a kid can add and subtract to 10, but they're still writing like tracing numbers tracing numbers right like so no diagnostic was done in that case i mean the word diagnostic with diagnosis and medical we always think of it as a negative outcome but a true diagnostic assessment is going to look for the strengths too and well and i i like it highlight those we have a new doctor a young guy Mm. and he calls diagnosis your baseline i need a baseline to 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 figure out what we have to do next if it's a treatment or something or a change of diet or more exercise we we just need a baseline to figure out what to do next okay and so i i like that approach to it Mm -hmm. summative assessments happen at the at the end of and they are like, and I know this sounds terrible, <laughs> but they're like an autopsy. So in a coroner's very, report, teachers should use these to improve their own instruction from year to year. That's why things like EQA are important. Yeah. Because, or over a term. So if you also think of the end of a unit test, so you know it's been four to six weeks, and you want to do an assessment of everything that they were supposed to learn through the unit to see what stuck. And also to reflect as a teacher, what did you teach well or maybe... And how can I figure out how to actually get through to this particular group of children? Because I taught enough different classrooms to realize that all groups of... Some groups of kids had... Well, you know this from classes. Some groups of kids are learn different like just the dynamic is different sometimes like some groups i could do so much group work and they worked so well and like Mm -hmm. pairs of three to five or groups of three to five and some i i was barely able to get them to work in pairs because they were fighting or it was just the dynamic and we worked at it i'm not saying i just accepted it but anyway and then the next kind is formative and assessment, it, this formative assessment happens during learning to ensure that kids are understanding while you're teaching. And it should occur like right throughout the instructional process. It's things like exit cards. It's data used to revise the lesson or the plan. And it's daily and it's promoting student reflection on goals and achievement of goals. Mm-hmm. So, so and report cards are a mixture of the two, would you say? A bit, like some of the grades come um, from summative... Well, the theory about the report cards is that um, you shouldn't necessarily really be taking an average of all the marks. So if a kid starts in a unit and gets a D on the first assignment, but by the end of it, their last five assignments are all an A+, then why should that D be averaged in? It shouldn't be. Wow. That's a new way of thinking of it. It's right? Not the way, it's not the way universities or, no. co- or colleges do no. it. No, and that's not... It's not Right. So you should be taking enough dipstick. But if the kid starts out, I don't understand this and Mm -hmm. I don't get it. But by the time you're finished the unit, their last bunch of assignments are all A plus. 
What did that D mean? It yeah. meant that they didn't understand at the beginning. Well, they really weren't supposed to mm-hmm. understand it at the beginning. <laughs> if they all understood it's it, it's like at giving the, them. It's like including the diagnostic test score in, in their the thing, grade. right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a way of thinking about it. I mean, I don't think all it it is in the document in the ministry document for Ontario. That's how it is supposed to be done. You're not supposed to include that lower mark. Those lower marks oh. be- from the beginning. But teachers do. Oh. Average. Yeah. And then there's something called norm reference tests. They're like standardized tests and they compare one student to another. And, and that's usually to for the place. Or to a, a base. A no, baseline. no, that's criterion reference. Oh, sorry. So really? norm reference, mm. criterion reference are measures a student's performance like against a goal, a specific or okay. a standard. So the norm reference ones, that's where you get the standard deviation curve. Yeah. Where like the. You yeah. Put, okay. Yeah. And these can be a kind of formative assessment and they should be integrated throughout. I'm getting him to move my computer screen <laughs> up because he's, oh, he's supposed to be on the job. Um it's just for adjustment of teach criterion reference are like um, standardized government tests because they are about adjusting your teaching over time. Okay. And mastery or in com- competency based learning would use that criterion mm-hmm. reference test. So an interim and benchmark assessments evaluate students' performance at like periodic intervals against fre- the benchmark. Yeah. Yeah. Frequently at the end of or end at the end of a grading period and it can produce it can these kinds of those benchmark interim ones Mm -hmm. can predict the kids performance on the summative so if you do a kind of an interim benchmark and everybody does really really bad maybe don't give them the summative for a bit till you fix some some more teaching maybe (laughs) so and um A benchmark assessment is a type of um, interim assessment, so it's useful to think of them as distinct even though they function. Because benchmarks are one thing, interim assessments because we do measure kids Interim against benchmarks like when your when your teacher talks about your kid is like an a b c d e f on a on a reading scale mm-hmm. that's a benchmark assessment right. for sure and they are so when they say your child reads at a <clears throat> uh, grade two reading level that's a benchmark yes okay. and and exactly what it says they're useful for communicating like important facts and data to parents and district officials like i used to have to as a principal collect the reading levels of all my kids and send them in so yeah so look for us for report cards for parents read the marks and the comments and say does that match does that make sense because if (laughs) your kid has an a plus and then you read the comment it says well they sometimes do this and they usually do that's not an a plus no like zachary's c minus on drama but the comment was he's a wonderful actor and we're like (laughs) Whatever. And so you really do have to read the comments and the mark and look at the marks and read the comments because they should reflect it. And if they don't, that's a question. Uh, I don't really understand how they got an A plus, but then they are having all these issues. Well, that's where you could ask, you know, what is this an average? Is this from formative tests? Yeah. Is this from summatives? You yeah. Know, so did you build, and there's nothing did you take wrong. the diagnostic in yeah. and put it in? Is there a personal example to back up the description in the curriculum? So um, if they did a unit 
in reading, uh, in writing, where they wrote some kind of, where the topic was that they were writing a story about their family, then the teacher should refer to some of the things that they do well in writing. Like, they include lots of details, like, they told me this. Like, there mm-hmm. should be really concrete examples in your kid's report card that make it personal, that make you understand that the teacher didn't just go, oh, A plus, cut, paste, there's the A plus mark, there's the A plus feedback, there's the A plus next step. There should be something about your child. It should not be generic. It. No, it should not be. Is your child's name used consistently throughout the report card? And are there lots of grammar errors? Like, I edited report cards, and I worked really hard at editing report cards, but you miss stuff, and that's fine. Like, most of the time when I was reading report cards, I might be reading three to 400 report cards, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would honestly, and I honestly found Once you got bleary-eyed, the wrong name. Oh, yeah, no, teacher's putting the wrong name, or the wrong pronoun. Yeah, it, it your your child is a she and they got a he. And and those things can be so easily fixed and reprinted. So don't hesitate. Or a really bad grammar error can be fixed and reprinted. Because if, if you want to, unless you want to keep it as a joke. But, the report card is a legal document that stays in your child's file. file. In and so if you, Ontario, I think least. you want it right. So I'd say. Is anything on the report card a surprise to you? Because nothing on the report card should be a surprise. There should have been phone calls. There should have been e- emails. Yeah. Like you should never go, oh, my kid has normally got A in A's basically in math. And now they're getting C's. Because it could be a slip up. The teacher clicked on the wrong box and put the wrong grade in. Their eye followed the wrong yeah, thing. Yeah, or, or it could be that. You know, the teacher that's the, before that's their humans. the they teacher, yes, <laughs> the teacher before really highly. And you need to see some evidence of why your kid's mark is now a C. But you should have been seeing that evidence like the teacher. This teacher should have gone and said, oh, previously this child was an A in math. And now I'm seeing C work. I better sit down with those parents to make sure that when the report card comes out, they don't go. What? what happened? What happened? Do, and, I mean, sometimes the previous teachers were too generous and just kind of blanket yeah. gave kids way too yeah. many And I think that marks. happened a lot in COVID, so get ready. Yeah. Uh, do the learning skills marks and the comments make sense? Is your child aware of why they received the mark and comments they did in this area? They should understand. Yeah, I am disorganized. I understand why that's an N. My desk is a disaster. Like they should know, even in grade one and two and all that stuff, mm-hmm. they should understand and they shouldn't go, well, I don't know, because there should have been some kind of teaching or discussion or goal setting or something, right? You can't just sit down and go, oh, they're bad communicators, they're bad problems, they're this, they're that, they're that. Okay, all ends. Somebody should know... And the kids should definitely know because mm-hmm. those are the learning skills. To me, they're almost more important than the marks and the other stuff, yeah. but especially in younger kids. Are there next steps included in the comments that make sense and are personal to your child? So when you're standing on the playground with, uh, did you can say to another parent, did your child get read more books as their next step? And every child in the whole class got read more books, read, read, read books at home. 
because the child who you know is already reading four books a night doesn't need that as a next step. No. So I sometimes I I would get very frustrated because I didn't think really the next steps reflected what the child actually needed. So what do the words mean on the report card? Like this whole thing of consistently, regularly, always, confidently, and usually, proficiently. What words make you feel concerned about your child's progress? And you can let a word feel Negative. make you concerned, yeah. even if it's a good word. Mm-hmm. My child consistently does that. Wow, that's shocking to me. Because I see them at home, and I don't think they consistently do that. So... You can question those words because teachers have a bank of words that they use. So consistently is usually like a B plus. Confidently is probably an A. You know, like so usually is often a B kind of a word. Regularly is a B. Always is definitely an A. And so then put the negative things oh, yeah. on all that. Inconsistently. Irregularly. Irre- you know. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes is a C word. Mm-hmm. Never. I didn't like that word on report card. They no. never do it. Like never. Rarely. Ever, ever. Rarely is Rarely a D. Rarely is a little That's better. That's a D. That's a D. Definitely. Is there enough positive and encouragement in your child's report cards? They really should have been practicing a sandwich. So they should start out positively and then put the little and then the, the next step should be phrased in a positive way. For sure, for Mm -hmm. sure. If it's not, that's terrible. Um, Do the learning skills comments make sense to what you know about your child's strengths and needs yourself, not just your child, but yourself? Do they, do you think that your child is as organized as your teacher says? And school is apples and oranges. So you might go, oh, that's great. So then uh, we can bring a little of that organization home. So um, but you have to ask yourself these questions. Did you have a look to see if the curriculum expectations match what is said? Because you can go into a website or ask for a copy of curriculum things and say, my teacher's talking about the kids doing this. That's not even in the curriculum. <laughs> and that's important. And it happens. Hopefully your principal caught that and they went, what are you teaching exactly? And hopefully they caught it long before it got into the report card, but whatever. So anyway, tips for talking to your kids about their report cards, kind of, you know, because you want to make the most of these results. And so make sure that you read over the comments, the teacher comments with your kid, Mm -hmm. not just, oh, you got all A's, let's go buy ice cream. Let's talk about the comments And make a list of the next steps and say, okay, which ones do you think we can work on and which ones are similar and, you know, like that sort of thing. And then book a parent-teacher conference. Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure you do. Like, I mean, I think a lot of them right now are being done by phone, but make a, have a phone or a Zoom call where you can see the teacher's face. And it was popular for a while. I don't know if it still is where the child led the parent teacher conference oh, yeah. and they were the spokesperson and they were supposed to share something they had done. And it was a 
waste of time. So if you hear that that's what's going to happen, then you book another one where you. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I'll listen to my kid talk about what they like and everything. But then I want to have a conversation with you about this, 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 and this. And you could say it ahead of time. It doesn't have to be a surprise. Send an email. These are the five questions I want answered, but I want them answered face to face or on a phone call. Don't send me an email back with your inter. I want to talk to you about these. Yeah. Just be specific. Always put everything in context and understand the different stages and of your child's schooling and development and just be reasonable about things. And sometimes you have to be a little bit more reasonable. Yeah, they're five. Yep, yeah, mm-hmm, they do that. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that, that happens sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes there's 30 kids in a classroom and two of them are very disruptive and the whole class is impacted by it. And yeah. the teacher can be... Doing and his it's or her fine. You have to... to learn strategies for disruptive people, yep. and then that's when I get the parent at the door. I want my child away from that kid. Well, that's not life. There's crazy, crappy people everywhere that need just as much as support as I shouldn't say it that way. But there's people that are struggling <laughs> everywhere, and you can't just remove yourself from it. You have to learn to to cope with it. But there are sometimes, you know, my kid finds the school the classroom quite noisy he's not used to that so he's might be having some of these problems because he needs to get used to that that's fine yeah that's absolutely. a that's a stage of development mm-hmm. make sure you have a discussion with their, your child about their report card and make sure that you plan it ahead so if you open the report card and you're like oh my god this is terrible don't have the conversation then like calm down no matter what results your child has Make sure that anything neg- negative that you're feeling gets sandwiched between positive things as well. Because it's, it's not going to help. Well, the other thing that you have to do is separate your own, going back to shame, your own shame or, or memories of when you might have gotten a C or a D or an F and how you were treated by your parents, by your classmates, teachers. Well, and half so the you can't, time... You can't transplant those emotions onto your child well and also your emotions about being a parent oh my god i'm a terrible parent parent because my kid is look at how they're struggling at school that has nothing to do with it because it it just has nothing to do Mm. with it so identify some areas for focus or improvement three to five write them on a chart put them on your fridge talk about them get some outside resources if you need them like get a little um, reading buddy or tutor or something if you're working and you're busy and you just don't have like set up something so that your kid has some opportunity to practice more the things that they're struggling with I mean we paid for math tutors and not everyone can afford that I realize that but there's ways to do it high school kids need community hours so you can call I had people yeah. call the local high school and say is there someone who'd like some community hours to meet my kid in the library, to work on some math, somebody who's really good at math. Mm-hmm. Or you can give them a nominal fee, 10, 15, 10 bucks or something, yeah. and I, you know, like something reasonable. So mm-hmm. find, it's not that difficult to find some out, outdoor, even a grade eight kid can help a kid in grade two. I always had a tutoring program that ran in the school and I usually ran it, um, different times of the day so you know 10 minutes 15 minutes before recess or lunch happened the tutor would come the grade 8 tutor would come get the grade 2 kid they'd go read a book together or work on a math paper 
but tutoring older to younger, excellent, excellent, excellent. Examine your kids' routines and make sure that life is not too busy or too crazy in order to ensure that you're putting things in place as a family that your kid is doing better at school. So sometimes the kids' report card is a little bit of a wake-up call. We're on the go. We do this. We go here. We, you know, everybody's got like travel soccer, travel, travel this, hockey. go here, go there. Maybe your child needs a couple nights at home or a day at home on the weekend to just kind of chill. So they're not so, I'm not saying to stay home and do schoolwork. I'm just saying to just breathe. breathe. <laughs> And always plan a few minutes each day to check on your child's progress. Talk about what your child learned in class, what assignment he's working on, and any new things that they might be struggling every single day. And not saying, oh, how was school? Fine. Do you have any homework? No. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Did you learn anything? I don't know. You know, tell me three things that, that happened at school today that were great. Tell me something you're wondering about that happened at school today. Who did you play with at recess? Right? Mm -hmm. What did you hear on the announcements this morning? Is anything exciting happening? What do you have in your backpack that might be of interest to me that we could have a look at? Did you write a story today? Did someone read you a book? I mean, right now I'm picking up some kids after school and I'm practicing all these questions. So were there any kids missing? And they always say, well, there's 16 in our class, but two were missing. So that means there were 14 in our class. Today. So, doing so yeah, so then we're doing the math. <laughs> and then they say, did anybody, did anybody read you a book today? Yes, we read The Witch that, I don't know, something because it's Halloween, Halloween right yeah. now. And then we sing the songs that they sang, even though we can quite remember how to sing them and all the words we just figured it out and made it out but i'm just saying like there's more to it than just saying how how was your day great good whatever there's a little bit more drilling down that needs to be done and i'm pretty sure in some other podcasts i've shared some questions you can mm -hmm. ask yep, so so here's some questions to ask your child that you might want to ask your child's teacher what is my child's reading level and what kind of books do they like to read at school? Your teacher should know that, like 100%. Mm -hmm. What do they choose when they go to the library? That's a very good question. Are there concepts in math that my kid is struggling with? How can I help them? Like maybe subitizing is what they're doing. That's when you look at the, a group and you can see the number without, without going one, two, three, four. That's what it's called. Subit Sorry, what do you do? You, when you see a group of, of objects and you can go, oh, there's five of them, oh. that's supertizing. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. How does my child do when they're working or playing in a group? I'd like to know that. What's mm -hmm. my kid's favorite subject, do you think? That's a great question to ask. <laughs> they might think it's math and you think, oh, my gosh, my kid comes home every day and says, I love science. I love science. Mm -hmm. So you're comparing notes a little bit. Are there ways we can help with writing at home? Is technology a part of your language program? Should be. Should be part of your science program. You know, the words on the report card actually say science and technology. In Ontario. In Ontario, yeah. yeah. I, that, that's my frame of reference, right? Yeah. What should my kid be most proud of this term? It's a great question. I used to ask that question as an interview question for when I was hiring teachers. What are you most proud of? some very bad answers sometimes like I'm most proud of the fact that we 
um, did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as a full class novel study. That's great. I don't want you as my a teacher in my school, but that's I'm glad you're proud of that. What would you say my child's favorite subject? Oh, I did that one. Can you tell me a bit about what type of learner my child is at school? Like, and that can be auditory, verbal, kinesthetic, whatever. What kind of learner are they? they your teacher should, the teacher should be able to tell I, you that. I just, uh, we just started learning about another kind called the digital auditory. And that is where your child learns by thinking internally and mm-hmm. processing things and doesn't spout it out and takes some time to either write it or say it or share what they're thinking. Right. My, your kid doesn't share enough. Well, maybe they're, they need to be called on because they don't, they wouldn't do that. Yeah. What type of strategies does my kid respond best at school? Like, what are the things that they, you know, do they respond best when um, they work on their own and they can follow along and read for themselves? Do they respond best when you're sitting beside them? Because if that's how they respond best, let's work on strategies so that they can be more independent. Like, there's all kinds of implications to that Mm -hmm. show me examples of assessments or tasks that are reflected in the report card marks if you don't ask that question i don't know what to even say you they need to show you how they arrived at the mark comments work something that shows how'd you get there very interesting at the college because they're 18 and older they're with the privacy act parents cannot find out what their children do and what their children do and why the grades are what they are. Yeah. They have to ask their child to show Which is them. pretty much unfortunate, especially if the parent is paying. Yep. Yeah, that's that pretty. legal. Yep. Are there any areas where my child is not performing at grade level or acting appropriately socially? How can we help? Like, you want to know if they are... Um, norm referenced with their uh, with the other children in the class if they're kind of in the ballpark at least and then um i think that having this kind of a conversation where you say to the teacher let's just be honest with each other i don't expect that my kid's perfect and i always will let you try to let you know when there's something at home that's going to impact my kid's behavior or learning and so please do the same with me like contact me without hesitation and be honest and that's the best way that we can ensure that we're a team and that they can be the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Because they're, when we're giving honest feedback to each other and we're actually holding each other accountable. So Those that are kind a, a of... great 11 questions. So that gives you a little... I mean, it hasn't been a long, long, long uh, thing today, but I don't think that's a bad thing. But I those are some real, really good tips, I think, for when you look at your child's report card. Um, just to use those as mm-hmm. a guide. I think they're good, don't you? Yeah, they're excellent. So goodbye to the education series, although it's fun. For now, we'll revisit it We again. probably will, yeah. But um, <laughs> Don't roll your eyes We're going to move into um, some of the... We, we've done a lot of reading and talking and whatever about shame and uh, shame and relationships and shame and growing as a person. And so... The November 15th. Things that I wished I had learned when I was in my 20s. A lot, Yeah, a long time ago. So on November 15th, we're going to have a pretty honest discussion about things we have. You might have to do some homework. I'm good. Okay. We I might, can do homework. We have learned about shame. 
and how it's made a difference uh, for us in our like in trying to be and yeah. and if you have like young if you have young children now it's really a good thing to learn about how not and you know when i think about report cards that can be a time of great shame mm, huge like oh and parents you, you can you, this shame is your terrible children. you should have done better where What's are the a's where are the a's and how come that's not an that's shame and so the things that i have said You'll never shame your child if you talk about them in this way. What yeah. do you know? What do you understand? Does that make sense to you? Because we want to have an environment in our homes and our lives where it's okay to be who I am, where I am at the moment I am at, but that I'm going to be better tomorrow than I was today. And the only way that I can do that is through reflection and feedback. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about shame. So that's it. How to deal with your child's report card in a positive and faithful uh, uh, courageous uplifting optimistic way, way. <laughs> good luck with that I couldn't think of any more adjectives no adjectives and uh, thank you for joining us on uh, No Room for Phonies episode 51 reading your child's report card excellent